Welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where Senator Amanda Stoker has a laugh with friends and colleagues, cuts through the bull, and explores the issues of the day. Let's get to the bottom of it all. Hello, I'm Amanda Stoker and welcome to Just Quietly, a podcast where we discuss some of the big issues of the day. And COVID-19, the coronavirus, continues to dominate our lives at the moment. So I wanted to chat with you a little bit about the legislation that the Parliament is passing today to try and deal with it. It's called the JobKeeper Package. And in short, it's a subsidy of $1,500 a fortnight for workers who would otherwise lose their jobs in this precarious economic climate. Now, it covers full-time and part-time workers as well as casual workers that have been in their jobs for at least 12 months. It's got a whole bunch of safeguards built into it so that businesses don't claim it if they're not truly in the brink of having to let people go, which I think is really important. And it also has some checks in it um, or some flexibility in it to make sure that it will operate to help businesses that need it even in unusual circumstances, like, for instance, where a business's books might be just getting established as a start-up business and so they might not show the fact that there's been a big decline um, or where the medium-term results in an otherwise strong long-term business might have been down in um, recent times due to things like drought. So ordinarily, um, you know, a regular Australian business would need to show that they're um, – their income is down by 30% on about a year ago. And if you're a big business, then you'd need to show that you're down 50% on the results of a year ago. So you can see how for a business that's starting up or a business that might've been going through drought, for example, um, the accuracy of the books of a year ago might not show the level of hardship that they're going through at this point in time. So there's also a 15% um, threshold for charitable businesses. So if you've got somebody, for instance, who is employed by a church op shop or something like that, um, if they can show that things are down 15%, then they would become eligible to be a part of the JobKeeper payment too. Now, subsidies aren't something that everybody's comfortable with, me included, right? But the fundamental idea is that it's going to be easier to bounce back from this difficult period if people still have a regular connection to their workplace. You know, they're still connected to it, they're still using their skills and they're still in the routine of working, whatever that means in the current environment. For some people that means doing stuff from home. Um, but it's much harder to get people back into work if businesses um, stop, if they shut down. It's harder to get people back into work if they are on the unemployment queue than it is for somebody to get um, another job opportunity, for instance, if they're already in work. So it's about that inherent value that comes from being in work, um, not to mention the fact that the dignity of work, the morale of knowing that you're, you've still got somewhere to go, you've still got income coming in and you're still able to support your family, all that stuff is really meaningful. So that's the rationale behind it. It's a simple flat rate per worker where the business is eligible because it can show that um, it's undergoing that kind of hardship and would need to let people go if it didn't get this help. That means it will mean 
that business is getting and then through the business um, that individual worker will be getting more dollars per person really from the government for a casual who only does limited hours versus a person who works full-time. And on its face, you know, you think, oh, that, that could cause some difficulties. Um, and, and that's true. You can imagine, say, um, a retail workplace, one that is still open in the current climate, where you've got a casual who works not very many hours and a casual who works nearly full-time hours and they're still entitled, um, really, to the same amount of money from the government. That could cause some morale clashes. But a judgment call had to be made about whether to try and do it on a proportional kind of basis, you know, say 80% of your usual income, um, or whether to do it on a flat rate. And the call was made that it was better to go for simplicity and a low bookkeeping burden for businesses that are already under a lot of stress than it was to go for paying the proportions perfectly at the price of imposing more red tape on businesses under strain. So the, the call we made was that the last thing we need right now is more bureaucracy. Um, not everyone will agree with that, but that's, that's the rationale for why um, what is being done is being done. The entire arrangement is time limited. So it's due to cut out by September with an option to extend it to December if the economic climate demands it, if we're, if we're undergoing really bad hardship. It sunsets, that means the legislation completely loses its legal force, as at December, no matter what. It would need new legislation to make it continue beyond that point. Now, I'm not going to dress it up. This whole arrangement really pushes the boundaries for me. You know, I don't like big government. I don't like subsidies. I don't like debt. And $130 billion of it is an awful lot. And, um, you know... The thought of it kind of makes me feel sick. It, it is a lot for us to be taking on as a country. But there's something else I don't like, and that's long unemployment queues and people losing the dignity of work. Uh, this is targeted to keeping as many people in work now as is possible and ready to resume normal work as smoothly as possible. And that is also an important value um, of mine and of many people in our community. So... This time is difficult and it's one about judgment calls and um, the Morrison government have made judgment calls that you know, some of us will agree with and some of us won't. But hopefully everybody can understand the um, sincerity of the rationale behind it and the desire um, to do the right thing by all Australians so that we can get through this together as quickly as possible. You can compare it for instance, to what um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson is doing in the UK. I mean, his arrangement effectively subsidises people not to work. As crazy as that might sound. And so our approach is different to that. Ours is a subsidy for people to keep working. And now if we have to have a subsidy, not much as they don't come naturally to people like me and many others, then that's the better of the two options. This is a period that's forcing hard calls to be made and everyone's going to have slightly different perspectives on where the right point to draw the line is because this is going to be a time of hard choices and challenges. But the reason I wanted to chat about this with you today is to draw out the way that this impacts on industrial relations law. Um, It's something that 
might not necessarily come through in um, a lot of the ways that people will talk about the JobKeeper payment. Um, because to make it happen, to give employers the ability to flexibly move between the JobKeeper payment and regular wages, to be able to give them the ability to adapt hours of work and duties of work to keep people on through this time, it, it necessitated changes to the Fair Work Act for the period that the payment is available. So, for those people who haven't ever had a good look at it, the Fair Work Act, aside from being very long, is about as flexible as an iron bar. Like, it's, it's awful. It's rigid. It's mostly unworkable for startups or for businesses trying to negotiate their way through times of strife. It's really hard for small or seasonal businesses. It's, you know, it's, it's pretty unreasonable for basically anyone who isn't big enough or with fat enough margins to cut a deal with a union. And people like me have had the view for a pretty long time that this is something that's really deeply anti-working person. Um, it's worth improving the way we do industrial relations in this country not because business wants it, um, but because it gives more choice about how to work and where to work to working people. So here's the thing. I mean, industrial relations doesn't have to be a zero-sum game where there's this big battle between the big end of town and poor, downtrodden working people. It's a really 18th century way of looking at these issues and it holds us all back. Funnily enough, you know, it holds down our poorest people, people with the least education and the fewest skills and the fewest choices by giving them fewer jobs to choose from. It's, it's why people like me get really passionate about this stuff. But here's what's interesting. The PM has made it really clear that this JobKeeper package is not an ideological program. The changes that have been made to industrial relations to make the JobKeeper payment happen were negotiated and agreed with only minor changes by the ACTU, the Australian Council of Trade Unions. You know, Sally McManus negotiated and gave the sign-off. So Labor are doing some posturing around um, industrial relations today as part of the parliamentary process. They're largely complaining that people who are government employees aren't getting a raise rather than anything that is truly meaningful, which I think says something about the fact that this package is probably, um, broadly speaking, acceptable to them. But if you ask me right now, raises for public servants just flat out fail the pub test. Um, and that's why what Anastasia Palaszczuk had announced not so long ago um, with the help of Jackie Trad to, to bump up and give bonuses to um, Queensland public servants pre-crisis was um, something that didn't um, exactly go down well. It went down like a lead balloon. So subsidies aren't something that comes from the Liberal Party ideological playbook, not by any stretch of the imagination. But similarly... IR flexibility isn't in the ACTU handbook either. So that says something really interesting about our times. It says something really interesting about the thinking of those in the union movement. It tells us that when it comes to the crunch, the union movement actually does understand that labour market flexibility is necessary for economic growth and recovery. That's huge. That's, that's near enough to a concession of the very thing they have been fighting 
ever since the period of work choices. And to put it another way, it's an admission from them that the inflexibility of the Fair Work Act at this point in time would have choked efforts by businesses and working individuals to get Australia back on track. And if that's true now, that market inflexibility kills job growth, and it's also true when there's no crisis. And that's something worth all of us remembering when times get better. Not because of politicians' gratification, not because this is an argument I very much want to win, but because we owe it to the least well-off people in our neighbourhoods. We owe it to the people who aren't all that well-educated. We owe it to people who have unskilled jobs. We owe it to people who are vulnerable when the market isn't at its best. If you're struggling with the anxiety of the current time, look, hang in there. Um, I know a lot of people are. If being cooped up at home is driving you crazy, I can understand that. Um, We will all get through this. And as today's legislation shows, we'll get through it together. We'll get through it supporting one another. So all the best. Do hang in there. And I'll look forward to catching you for the next episode of Just Quietly. See you later.